Also, my server from last night might listen today. So oh. that's exciting. Your s- server? Restaurant server? Yeah. Confusing because the server is also a computer. That's what I imagined when you said your server friend. Yeah. No. Different different kind of server. The human kind. When you say my server friend, I was expecting like, oh, on what port will they be listening? <laughs> oh, hey, server friend. Beep. Boop. Hello and welcome to another episode of Future Chat. I'm here with a full crew. I feel like we've had full crews recently, but it hasn't. Like last week, Nick was gone, right? And we didn't even it's, do an episode for of this me, show. It's been, for me, it's been every other weekend. Okay. Much like child custody. <laughs> Except in no way like that <laughs> in this case. I've moved to Edmonton, but Calgary yeah. has been getting me every other weekend. And we do, uh, we honestly do want to follow up on how your internet service is going. But first, we were talking just before we started recording about um, screwing. Yeah, about natural parts in our bodies and thinking about whether we were 100% natural inside ourselves. And you mentioned that you were having some hip pain relating possibly to your the screws in you. And I was curious about how, what that means for you and how the surgery for getting screws out can be less invasive than putting them in. I don't actually know that much. Um, Kaya, one of Kaya's uh, peers at yoga teacher training is a doctor and she recommend like she, I think Kaya told her that I was having knee pain and I thought it might be related to the screws that are still in there. And she recommended a doctor to me who will actually take them out because back in London, they said, oh yeah, you know, we can get those removed now if you want, just at a future date, whenever. And I went, okay, you know, I'll think on that. But, um, like, I'm not actually sure if they're causing a problem, right. but just every so often, and it seems like it's more weather related than anything because mm-hmm. I don't know what I would have done physically to cause that much pain. Right. But it'll just, you know, be really aggravating for a day or so. Mm-hmm. And part of that, apparently, I had no idea, but um, apparently humidity and barometric pressure will cause bone to swell and contract, but metal doesn't that. do that. So yeah. that... Well, metal does do that a little bit, but not as not much, nearly, yes. Yeah, not nearly as much as the bone in your body. Yeah. So hmm. apparently that can be a source of pain for people. So I would be, I would be excited to try it. I've heard other people who had screws in their knee specifically taken out like they said you know if i realized it would be this great i would have had it done like day one right huh and so this procedure or i guess not the procedure itself but i'm i'm trying to figure out is like the swelling is this your body getting like is it changes in pressure that cause pain or is it it being off of whatever your body's kind of standard idea is like, does your body adjust to that being swollen? It seems like, and it doesn't always happen, but it seems like sudden changes in weather will do it. Okay. Like I actually remember, yeah, I remember when I was still walking around with a cane in Kirkland Lake, just walking normally and suddenly having a pang of pain and just going, Oh, they'll they'll say to you, what did you do? Oh, either I've hurt myself or we're going to have a spot of weather <laughs> and there a snowstorm actually moved in. Huh. So that was, okay. That was fun. So have you run a double blind study on this mm-hmm. effect? You know, I haven't. Okay. Partially because I can't administer 
a double blind study to myself. I think you're just supposed to close one eye. <laughs> oh. No, that's only single no, blind. But if I close both <laughs> eyes, then I'm double blind, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but no, uh, I mean, specifically the month of November and December is pretty painful in Calgary. And that's when it tends to be overcast and, gr- and gross instead of bright, sunshiny, happy. Hmm. Bright, sunshiny, happy. <laughs> Potential name while- for this episode. There was a while in uh, at the beginning of the year, I forget exactly what time period it was, but it might have been the entire month of January, where we had Ottawa had 12 hours of sunshine, sunlight for the entire month. Just it was overcast the entire time. Wow. Except for, I don't know if it was exactly split out, like it was one sunny day or if it was like an hour every couple <laughs> days that it was sunny, but it was horrible. And people did pick up on it. And I think that was what kind of Obviously, I think they keep official records of this and they keep track, but people were like, man, it feels dark and like went and looked and it turned out it was super, super dark. And I think Toronto was the same way. I heard the same statistic are very similar. So it's just, it's been a weird couple months and now it's freezing again. feels like it should be spring and it's minus 30 with wind chill. Yeah. So Nick, you, you've had your new internet for a while now, at least a couple weeks. And yeah. how is, how are things? Um, I've never been so happy with internet. Interesting. I've been having an issue the past couple days. <laughs> Wait, where I, I think it's an issue with my phone. It just seems to drop the connection every once in a while, and I'm okay. not sure what that is. But um, I did a speed che- uh, speed test just before I started this. I'm getting 178 down and 17 up. Nice. And apparently. It is not symmetric. It is 150 down and 15 up is the guarantee. Okay. But when I'm actually plugged in, well, no, it doesn't seem to make a difference. I seem to get the same up whether or not I'm plugged in, but Mm -hmm. I'm pretty routinely getting that speed and it's, Mm -hmm. it's very nice. When I'm unplugged, I tend to get more like 70 down, which for my purposes, whatever. Right. That's on your laptop? Yeah. Okay. And my podcasts download in seconds and it's wonderful (laughs) have i told you guys about when i was at university there was this one common area that had wireless connectivity obviously so everyone was in there with their laptops hooked up to you know probably the same router yeah and uh i went in there and i i believe yeah i happened to have an ethernet cable with me because i was like well this is ridiculous i'm not settling for this so I plug into the wall because I was getting poor signal strength depending on where you are in the, the area, obviously. So I plug into the wall and then I get a glorious, you know, 100 megabit per second download and, you know, probably in the same range, 15 megabit per second upload. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was like, at the time, you couldn't even like get internet that fast. Right. Like, com- like commercial internet, sure. When you're well, distributing. Wi-Fi it. wasn't that good yet. Not only that, but like I think bandwidth wise, right. I think the wireless router was strained. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, right. But if you plug it into the wall, like you get the unadulterated. It was, yeah, it's usually T one or signal. at least partial T one yeah. on university campuses. Yeah, so it was it was amazing. Could download so much LimeWire. It was great. Yeah. <laughs> this university just gets a bunch of emails. Why are you downloading all this stuff illegally? <laughs> but see, at the time they didn't even have emails like that. Now they yeah, would, yeah. but. I remember hearing, I we, I never encountered it, but I remember hearing stories about um, there were actual programs you could download on university campuses that would create like almost like a local file sharing network 
and people on campus on a specific campus would post videos and stuff like bootlegged copies of things and it would just get passed around i i never like i would have participated in this i'm not trying to take the moral high ground i'm saying i wasn't involved like my my dorm like my residence for the first two years was off campus and so i didn't get to ever experience it but i always thought that was a really cool theft idea <laughs> like if you're gonna do it let's go big right. so it's the most pure form of peer-to-peer sharing exactly yeah basically. it was literally mm-hmm. it was peer-to-peer but it was like all the peers were right there in one yeah. spot <laughs> but it was cool nick i'm glad you're happy and i i forget if we talked about your your qualms about going with one of the big providers to the detriment of the smaller ones and the cost associated with that. I feel like we did talk about how much more expensive it was going to be for signing your contract for the second year. Have you thought any more about plans to like, are you, is the plan to just contact them after a year and say, listen, we're going to leave unless you give us the same rate as we had for the first year. Oh, I have no idea. Okay. Cause I've heard that is a common tactic. And they usually, like you well, usually get out of a contract if you're, if you say you're moving for It's instance. a two year plan, but I'm st- like, it's still a really good price that we've yeah. been guaranteed for the second year. Okay. Yeah. It's just worse than now. Yeah. It's 50 now and it will be 80. Right. But it's still like, it's really good internet for that price. Right. Yeah. And should something better come up after that first year, I can switch to that. Right. On the same with still Shaw. Yeah. On whatever value plan they have then yeah okay okay now i i I kind of am interested to hear i I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on this but today is the day that clocks change we spring forward an hour um considering it's now been probably about 10 years maybe a little longer that we've had phones that have had time that change themselves and most of the clocks in a house changing it themselves did you guys really even notice other than being maybe a little more tired than usual or are you still suffering greatly because of daylight savings? I will refer you to John Oliver's segment on the matter. That is how I feel. Okay. Yep. <laughs> I hope we all start doing that. Just, I would like to refer to this link on the internet to how I feel about a thing. Like, let's just, let's organize a letter writing campaign. But instead of it being a letter writing campaign, just an email campaign with a link to that YouTube video. Just to every MP and person in public office. Every local MP, just ask them, how is this still a thing? And and make sure you hyperlink it. Yeah. It's not for the farmers. <laughs> it's never been for the farmers. No. Um, I'll probably notice it tonight when it's okay. still bright at whatever time. Because mm-hmm. I usually get up in the morning when it's dark anyway. So yeah, I, I arguably wouldn't notice it anyway, if, if it wasn't for the later sun, I, I always, I laugh when the fallback happens in yeah. autumn and, uh, people are like, Oh, I hate daylight savings. This is the worst. Like, this is what it normally would be yeah. if we didn't have it. Like <laughs> the spring is what the savings part is. This is just yeah. reverting the savings. Yeah. So, but that's true. It's funny. Yeah. I, I feel like it doesn't need to exist anymore. People like if you have an hourly schedule and you can't change it, it doesn't really affect like the number of hours in the day are still going to be the same. And I get the whole benefit. But like if you have a favorite time of year to be awake longer, like when it's going to be sunlight earlier in the day or later in the day or whatever the case may be, whatever your reasons are personally for wanting either time, 
stick, like try to get your schedule to be that. It, this is like you're talking about short-term pain because it affects you a day or two every six months or every five months and then seven months or whatever it is. But like you have the power to change this. It make a deal with your employer to be like, listen, on this day, I want to sleep an extra hour if that is really important to you or go to bed an hour earlier. There's there's all these kind of ways you can mitigate the effects if it exists, if daylight savings time exists, but then it could also just not exist and all these problems would go away. Like all these things are just people complaining loudly. And since the internet got became more of a thing, it just gets spread around more. I think it's we should just get for... rid of time zones. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> so i'm yeah should we should we talk about this longer (laughs) what deep end did you just dive off of mike (laughs) no but it's like it's like you you get rid of time zones so everyone's on like utc Mm -hmm. and you just have your schedules like oh my work hours are 2 a.m to 10 a.m yeah have you been watching if if that's your time in your part of the world that's basically what they do in china yeah there's one right one time zone in china yeah yeah um Mike, I did this for like four months. No, I know what you did. That's why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it was fine. Yeah. Um, I adjusted. It was actually a little easier to wake up in the morning knowing that it was five hours later. Yeah. And I didn't feel bad going to bed five hours earlier. Yeah. You just, you just have to get everyone on the same page. But yeah. this way it's like, hey, we're meeting at six. That's the six for everyone. That's right. So someone's like, oh, I'm working or oh, I'm sleeping. That's but it's six o'clock for everyone. Mm-hmm. So. Now, it, it, it is weird. It's a weird concept because there are certain things that I think don't necessarily work as well. But name I also one. feel like it could name, get confusing. Name one thing. It could get confusing if, like, say noon rolls around and it's the middle of the night. Like, when I was in Hawaii, I was literally 10 hours apart from my time. So I was basically just shifted. I I basically just flipped AM and PM and then added or removed two hours, whichever whichever one it was. Uh, and it was fine. Like it was just, it was literally once I had calibrated to it, it was just keeping track of time. And I think it might've actually even helped my jet lag that my clocks didn't change when I left. But it makes it a little weird when you, if you're exactly opposite Greenwich on the map and everything is just exactly flipped because yeah, like I said, AM and PM, cease to have any kind of meaning as much meaning as they have now like it's anti-meridian and post-meridian it they already don't really have a lot of meaning but it there are kinks we'd have to work out but overall i don't think it would be that big of a problem to do but this would be so much worse this would be 24 times worse at least than getting rid of daylight savings time now rob i don't think you'll have come across this but mike did you get this survey for the alberta government talking about daylight savings time no in the mail or no it was electronic no but uh i filled out their survey because they're they're looking at getting rid of it Mm -hmm. interesting yeah i and you pasted the link (laughs) obviously it's it's over now it's pointless no i mean you pasted the link to john oliver's video in the survey (laughs) (laughs) i should have (laughs) no i think my my biggest thing was just pick one of them and then go with it right I just just stop changing it. Pick one of the two times. I still prefer standard time because mm-hmm. that's what time has meant for right. millennia. Yeah. That noon is when the sun is highest. But if you want to go with daylight savings time permanently, I like it when it's brighter in the day, but whatever. Just yeah. just pick, pick it and stop changing. 
I I still haven't heard a convincing argument of why we should keep time zones. No, I, I, and I agree with you. They're I, antiquated. The, the reason that they existed at the time. So the trains would run on time. Trains, yeah. So yeah. that you could, not specifically trains, but so that you could keep track of stuff that needed to cross long shades of time. And you needed, you needed a standardized time. And at the time, having like noon had, I think, a, a more important meaning locally. Like noon was, wasn't when. Well, everyone would, everyone would set their clocks by solar noon. Exactly. By the time, by when the sun was the highest in the sky, it yeah. had nothing to do with what your local, like when you went for lunch, or I guess it would kind of tie to when, when you went to lunch, but it wasn't on your clock. It was like noon was when the sun was highest. And so it made sense at the time to have everywhere it needed, like, it's almost like the definition of the meter keeps changing, but it stays approximately the same length. It's approximately what we can think of as a meter hasn't changed that much. It's like what we think of as noon didn't actually change that much. It only changed by a few minutes, but if we changed to one time zone suddenly noon would only actually be noon in one time in one current time zone but we don't care anymore we, we, we don't care the three of us don't care but i well, think no, the like, global population doesn't what care. relevance what relevance it doesn't matter but that's different than it, we don't care but that, well, that's what i mean colloquially <laughs> that's what i mean it has no yeah. relevance to people scheduled unless they're like oh no i have lunch at noon yeah. just as like don't a personal thing i agree did you just with say you. schedule i'm just saying that we are not the only people so well, why are you did, guys are, so we're just completely glossing over the fact that mike says schedule <laughs> yeah i'm fine with that okay i just <laughs> okay all right let's let's well, move on then that's how it's spelled schedule anyway schedule <laughs> i don't understand why you guys were so shocked at my no i'm suggestion. not shocked for the record nick was I agree with I. I just proposal. I think you're fighting an uphill battle. Like I'm. I agree with that too. Oh, for I'm sure. saying I think daylight savings time is a little much, and I think we could do away with it. <laughs> but and time then zones. You're like, let's just leave that behind, man. Exactly. Let's go. <laughs> let's go full on. <laughs> so, would you say time zones are a relic? Then, I. Th- I mean, they're... I actually think they are. I think. It was actually trains that precipitated that change because that was the first time that we were moving fast enough that it became relevant. Mm -hmm. I say daylight savings has more purpose and benefit than time zones do. Right. Because at least daylight savings, if you're, if you're keeping a quote unquote schedule, schedule, I'm pretty sure I say schedule. I don't say schedule. (laughs) You said schedule. We'll we'll run the tape back at the end. Don't worry. (laughs) If you're on a, now I don't even know what to say now. If you're on a sked. Then oh god, <laughs> then daylight savings at least puts the daylight into your sked, <laughs> into your rigid defined by yeah, UTC, whatever. I guess. Yeah, mm-hmm. but time zones, it's like that just causes confusion. There's no benefit having that. But if we get rid of time zones, we also have to get rid of daylight savings. Exactly. Time, so, not but be crazy. But that's fine. Yeah. But if yeah, you get yeah. rid of something stupid, get rid of time zones. I mean, you don't have to. You can just say, "All right, daylight savings time." So. Everyone, <laughs> work starts at save your day live no, UTC no, exactly. rather than for exactly, UTC. Yeah. So, so that's back to Rob's point about just yeah. shift your schedule. Yeah, exactly. I, Rob, Nick, I did not say schedule. I've never said that. <laughs> I'm sure he said schedule, but I, I could be wrong. The tape will, I don't know. The tape will tell us something. <laughs> if you're joining us for the first time and you are my server from last night, welcome. So if we're going to, this is why this, this is why I said to lower your expectations. Yeah. we've we've never done this before, but I feel like we should put this to a vote. We've um, never said so schedule. 
if by, by yay or nay, are we keeping daylight savings time? Yays? I don't yay. think it's up to us. I think this is a <laughs> no, mood. but we need to decide. We need to get to a consensus here. Do we want to keep daylight savings time? Do we want to keep it or get or get rid of it? Is this a yay future chat referendum? Yes. So yay is to keep. Yay and is nay to keep is... it. Is this single transferable vote? No. <laughs> <laughs> I demand instant runoff. Are there any yays? Any opposed? Nay. Wait. Wait. Yeah, nay. I don't know how voting works. Are we nay? Well, fuck. Like, it's like know, when... Right? This is what I'm trying to get at. It's like when you get a Windows Messenger box that says, do you wish to continue? Okay or cancel? Cancel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But then you get the one where it's like, do you wish to close the program? And you go, okay. Or do you wish to continue? And you go cancel. And it's like, wait, mm-hmm. which one are you asking me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's no we're, we're not we're all unanimous on getting rid of daylight savings yes and we're all unanimous yes. on i think nick might be a holdout on time zones but how do you feel i am stronger yes for time zone removal than daylight savings okay nick i'm perplexed do you but do you want to hold out for a week and then think about it and come back to us i i want to get rid of daylight savings time i don't see near as much utility in getting rid of time zones you should try switching to UCC for a little while on your on all your devices because it's mind blowing. It's only hard to keep, schedule stuff with other people. I will <laughs> you keep have that to do mind. Yeah, every time. <laughs> like the rest of my world will continue on completely differently. But you know, it, it's I pretty easy it. once you make that kind of decision. It's pretty easy to stick to it. I, I was going to say the main benefit I think would be just learning how to add seven hours to everything. Yeah, or five hours in your case. It's pretty useful. Nine hours as a mental exercise. Which way are you going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah you'd have to add seven hours i, I added yeah. five or four yeah. depending because there's also british there's british summertime <laughs> which is what i i didn't follow i followed utc the entire time but like in in the uk they're not always on utc even though it seems like they should be um because there's british summertime which is a much better i feel like, like we should be calling it um i don't know canada or american <laughs> summertime or something <laughs> I feel like that would be cool. Now, how do we feel about leap seconds? <laughs> They're very necessary. Leap things are necessary, yes. <laughs> There's no debating that. Why? If time is all just relative, like... Okay, calendars... Just... No, calendar years are different. You can't just throw the calendar out. If you throw oh. the calendar out... No, we need leap seconds because our things like satellites depend on the being calibrated properly. Yeah. That's the actual relevance. If you're listening and... I strongly suspect you're not, dear listener. <laughs> I strongly suspect everyone who's listening is listening. <laughs> I need you to send pictures of calendars literally being thrown out. To I've never, chat. I have never kept a calendar. Even when we were supposed to have one in, like in school with our agendas, I never kept one. <laughs> <laughs> I went to mock gasp and then I choked on something. <laughs> oh. Oh. All right, let's let's. Let's pull out of this. I feel like time zones, Nick. I'm going to ask you again next week, so think about it, or I guess okay. in two weeks. Because there's no I'll ultimate show next it. week. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Um, so I I read this article that is the next thing in follow up, and immediately thought of this show because I don't know who put this in. I think it was probably Mike because I saw it show up in the links. Um, they implemented a solar roadway. This was a while ago, and results are in. So what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I think we could all guess, but it, uh, yeah, no, it didn't work out. And I, after reading it, I wouldn't even consider this like a real implementation of the concept. 
but okay. the as much of a implementation it was it still failed so this was more like i think like a solar parking lot kind of it was of. a solar walkway yeah it wasn't wait it, it wasn't anything it was just it wasn't a even solar cars? walkway i don't think so like if it was it was cars just like gently rolling over it and parking on it maybe huh but it all it powered was like some facilities that were nearby so it wasn't even putting any power into the grid or distributing it anywhere it was just kind right. of powering its own local needs and it still ran into a ton of like manufacturing issues maintenance issues drainage issues like all the issues that people identified in the concept stage surprisingly huh. turned out to be valid <laughs> in the actual implementation of it and like especially in this case like there were roofs in the immediate area that the solar panels could have easily been put on, but they obviously decided to test out this solar roadway thing. I Can I ask a couple questions about this? Please. This just seems like a bungled project as opposed to a failure of the concept. It says that 75% of the panels were broken before they were even installed. Like, that's just not good project management. Well, I mean, yeah, like, it sounds like... It sounds like this was a really, really valuable beta test. But, like... like Anytime that, you implement something in the real world, kinks are exposed, and yeah. boy, boy, did they find those. You should look, like, I, I encourage people who are listening to go and look at the picture on, of the installation. It's just, like, a bunch of hexagonal pieces, or uh, hexagonal, octagonal. Hex, yeah. They're, they're hexagons. Um, installed, like, on some park area, and it doesn't seem like anyone would even like you'd have to go out of your way to actually walk on that for any real purpose. It's not, it doesn't look like any cars would ever be on it, but it says that 25 out of 30 panels installed broke within a week. But it seems like if that were true, given the amount of foot traffic, this clearly doesn't generate unless people like jumping up and down on it to test. It seems like if they were on a roof, these same panels would have also been destroyed because it's just like, it just looks like weather affecting them. Not. (laughs) Yeah. But see like on roofs though, you're, tilting them a to have a better incident angle with the sun but mm-hmm. also i'd imagine that helps with drainage as well right and and so you think this might be electrical well that's that was one of the notes in here that there were drainage issues okay mm-hmm. so like i don't know it's just you don't even have to get into specifics like it was a bad idea from the start but so i roadways. still think it's it's possible in concept this was just mm-hmm. poorly implemented how would it even be possible in concept okay though? mike you, you build them better roadways when you design a roadway there's a lot of engineering that goes into it as i'm sure you're aware or at least partly Mm -hmm. but one of the things that's taken into account is drainage when you build a road you build drainage for it so if drainage wasn't built for this this is not no but if if they're draining in between the tiles and getting into whatever's underneath to right that's what i'm saying is the drainage if there was proper drainage that wouldn't be the case and so there wasn't proper drainage well you have know. to take that in, into consideration. Yeah, maybe maybe just they were poorly designed. Yeah, like yeah, to to handle that kind of drainage. But I don't know. It's just the whole thing is weird, and it doesn't seem like it should be that. Doesn't seem like it should be that expensive. It should doesn't seem like it should be more expensive than regular solar panels. And it seems like if you're going to build a roadway out of it, but you think a roadway is just putting stuff down on the ground, then you have not built a road. You've just built a little electrical project kind of on the subject of solar freaking roadways i understand you guys talked about tesla's solar roof tiles mm-hmm. yeah what what was the consensus there i like them the the eventual goal was to have them be cheaper 
or ab- about the same price and the same order of magnitude as just having roof tiles. And yeah. so why wouldn't well, you do it? That is, I mean, if we're talking about solar freaking roadways and solar tiles, like I think that is one of the benefits of solar in terms of a means of grid-wide energy generation is that it can, it can be distributed across an incredibly wide area. And I, I think it's yeah. great. When- I actually reading up on tesla's uh solar what was i just saying (laughs) roof tile solar those things i actually felt like i imagine people feel when they're watching an apple keynote Mm -hmm. because i was reading through this could change everything (laughs) the lives of everyone around the world could be different because of this invention yeah i mean that coupled with the power wall and the we all saw what Elon Musk was up to this week. About promising Australia? to put yeah, Fixing put Australia? A, putting a power bank into southern Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I'm so impressed. I was skeptical. I'm still skeptical, but, but if Elon Musk do it, it seems is like just <laughs> I also agree fully with a buddy of mine who said on Facebook that Elon Musk is rapidly approaching the point where he has to decide whether to be, you know, this incredible global entrepreneur or supervillain and yeah. i think i think he could be equally successful either way <laughs> i would love him the same villain? i would love him the same either way if once we get a supervillain on earth we need a superhero and have we ever had a supervillain we like have, i know we've had really evil people well, but they haven't yeah. been super in any i mean way. the pressing part about that is i don't think you have to be a supervillain to unleash the purest of evils upon the world. Well, exactly. But so for Elon to have be a super villain as opposed to just a villain, he would need some kind of... He would either need to go like an order of magnitude above and beyond villainy, or mm-hmm. he would need to have some kind of extra ability to be evil. Well, I don't know. Lex Luthor wasn't particularly... Like he has money and a huge empire. So maybe Elon... If he, Elon applied his empire, his money-making I'm, endeavors towards evil, then yes, I guess I would consider him a supervillain. I'm imagining Elon Musk's supervillain task would be Dyson Sphere. Would that be supervillainy? It certainly I could mean, be. yeah, not... because you can't grow crops then, but... Well, if the Dyson Sphere was inside the Earth's orbit? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, you asked on our... What do we call our sun? Sol? The sun. The sun. If he encapsulated the sun... Because there's only the one. Yeah, there's only the one. For if he encapsulated anyway. the sun in a Dyson sphere of his super efficient whatever he wants, mm-hmm. maybe he'll maybe he will use his roof tiles as a Dyson maybe. sphere. But so yeah. on one hand, I feel like it would be appropriate to build the Dyson sphere you want you want to build as small as possible. Like it would take much less surface area to enclose a smaller, smaller, smaller and smaller sphere. But I feel like it would be incredibly dickish to just build it inside the Earth's orbit when all you'd be, if you built it just outside the Earth's orbit, all you'd be losing is the tiny, tiny amount of light that the sun, that the Earth absorbs, like the tiny, tiny diameter of the Earth where you'd have the entire rest of the circumference. It would be incredibly dickish to build it just inside the Earth's orbit as opposed to just outside the Earth's orbit with very little difference in actual cost of materials. Are supervillains dickish? Is that a thing no, they're capable so. of? They're, they're evil, but I don't think they're dickish. I'm sure you could find exceptions, but 
they wouldn't do it to, out of spite. They would do it out of hate or like greed. Stalin mid purge. Someone's like, hey, Stalin, can I have that pierogi, I guess? <laughs> and he's like, come on, man. I was going to eat that later. And they're going to be like, Stalin, don't be a dick. You're being a tyrannical dictator, but don't be a dick. And Stalin's <laughs> like, you're right. Except he, no, yep. he would be like, duh. <laughs> so what I want to see now is an actual implementation of a good, like, I want, it seems like this is just a couple people or whatever team size they have. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say a couple people can't do a lot of good, but I want to have people who actually build roads be consulted on a, public, on a roadway because nobody would ever call this a roadway. No. It's just like a tiny strip of solar panels. So I've got I've got another note on roadways if you mm. want to get into that. I I talked to a guy who he worked with Lethbridge on implementing their kind of cycle track downtown renewal kind of project. Mm. And he said he looked into all the proposals that were given for um, you know, creating the roadways downtown. And man, one of the Apparently, one of the things you can do with roadways is you put the road down, but you install bike lanes on either side, but that's, it's not exactly like a bike lane. There's actually like a removable plate over that bike lane Mm -hmm. where you can run all the utilities through. So whenever you have like sewer maintenance or internet, telecom, cabling, whatever that might be, Mm -hmm. whenever you need to work on that. You don't actually have to dig up the road and then repave it. You just flip up the access gate, make the bikes merge with traffic for a little ways, work on it and reclose it. And it sounds so cool. And like you can do that because bikes don't actually require as much support as cars do. And the only reason that it's not more prevalent is that it's more expensive and Mm -hmm. municipalities will just always go with the cheaper option. It does seem like we could come up with a way to run that kind of cabling infrastructure without it being literally directly under roads in such a way that you have to tear up the road in order to retrofit anything. I've always thought that. Like, that's the major thing that causes traffic. It it certainly doesn't help the process. Yeah. Like, I, I remember they were chatting about some sort of solution in Toronto on Yonge Street when it kept getting shut down. Mm -hmm. But they were saying, like, they did some sewer maintenance, so they tore up Young Street. They worked on it. They rebuilt it. And then a week later, Bell tore up the street, did some work, and repaved it. <laughs> it's like, maybe when you tear up the street, you could just all get in there. Yeah. <laughs> maybe that's a thing that could happen. But this person said she lived right next to this section of Young Street, and it was just constant that someone was tearing it open, mm-hmm. working, and then repaving. Mm-hmm. So I was going to comment before about the solar roadways versus uh, residential rooftop that at least with the rooftops, there's the existing infrastructure. Like you don't have to build in the distribution system. Like it's just you generate it in C2 basically and then feed it back into the grid, whatever you don't use versus having to put these panels into the roads and then build out the distribution from those points. Because I think that was a huge hurdle that evidently still hasn't been addressed because its implementation didn't even consider or need to tap into a distribution system. Mm-hmm. So I I think that's going to be the biggest 
challenge if the other technical problems can be solved as far as the uh, reliability and and maintenance issues and just design aspects of the panels themselves. But getting the distribution kind of figured out, I think, is challenging on its own and Mm, expensive, too. I'd say that's accurate. For the record, I think that the best thing that they could possibly do for the solar roadways thing is rather than thinking of how can we adapt solar panels to be more durable and fit into a road, how can we adapt roads to possibly generate electricity from the sun? Like don't, they're starting backwards. Like I get that there's certain electronic needs, but it seems like you could convert a road into a solar energy generator better than you could turn solar panels into a road. But, the question you have to start with is, do we need to do this in the first place? We don't need to do anything, but it seems like a, it would. It seems not, like a not in a philosophical good, sense. Just no, in, no, no, by like, no. But I mean, it seems like a good idea, space and investment wise. That if you're going to build a road, if you're going to build all these roads, why not have them also generate solar? Like that as a as a philosophical question seems like that's a great idea why not try that sure and then you look at it and you encounter all these issues and it's like oh okay well i guess that's not a good idea but it doesn't give up on it It just means we haven't found the right answer yet maybe i think it means that you don't need to do it in the first place mike you're such a cynic (laughs) do you want do you want your daughter to grow up being this cynical if it means that she doesn't have pointless solar roadways yes we that's what i'm saying we don't need we don't need solar roadways necessarily but like having existing infrastructure that's going to be there anyways also generate solar power as opposed to adding solar panels to everything seems like a good extension of that solar power generation idea so are you gonna like have to be roads are you gonna inject asphalt with like chlorophyll so that it can that would be amazing would that not be amazing mike (laughs) mike your daughter comes to you and says daddy (laughs) Can we put solar freaking roadways down for the walkway? We could generate power and help the environment. But see, you'd just you'd kneel down and tussle her hair and say, "Oh, sweetie, that's a stupid idea." <laughs> that's that's okay. I'm okay with low, like small scale, like even this idea of the solar roadways, quote unquote roadways, should have worked, and that's probably the best you'll get with it. <laughs> I'm still just laughing at my mental image of you yeah. kneeling down with big smile, so loving. That's a stupid idea. Why would you ask that? <laughs> no, it'd be like, that's a great idea. So how would you do that? Sweetie, let's <laughs> let's sit down and talk about engineering restraints. Well, so, and, and that's a good le- opportunity to give lessons. I agree. I'm not saying don't look into it, but I'm saying when you encounter all these things, you have to keep asking yourself, should I be doing this? And the answer is always no, not always. Don't we need something? Don't try to use extremes with me. We need something though. No, like says who? Why would we not try to harness solar power? This was our try. No, why would we not keep (laughs) trying? Not this again, but something better. Oh well, this drug didn't work. Antibiotic resistance is a thing. Let's just all die of infections. No point in trying again. But there's an actual benefit to coming up with a solution for that. This is there's no reason to do that in the first place. It's not like these roads aren't doing anything otherwise. No, there's, but I mean, if we if we need to generate, if we want to generate solar power, why would we not try to incorporate that into existing infrastructure? Like when you build a new road, why not try to have it generate electricity? But the better option, some but, mechanism. 
then you just build like roofs over the road and put panels on the roofs. Like, just- I was actually thinking that like, what would be the better solution? Just like solar panels panels over the road. Yeah, that sounds Man. great. I would love that as along somebody the, who bikes al- along the, the 401, <laughs> just going straight through the heart of Toronto where it's 16 lanes of traffic. <laughs> so much solar power, so much. I, I'm on board with that. It doesn't seem like it'd be that much more expensive than just building a road. Except for things like wind and rain and stuff. Or rain not would rain, be but made hail, better. ice. I would love rain. Like I said, when I'm biking and it's raining, I would much rather be under a cover than just out. Touche. Yeah. So we, we are on record as Future Chat as judging the entire future of solar roadways on these 30 panels. That were yes. cobbled together yeah. in Idaho. We've, we've, well, we've, I think we've, it's mostly just Mike doing that, not okay. me. We've moved on to solar freaking tunnels. Are they tunnels, though? Could the Hyperloop have solar panels? Yes. Oh, well. On the inside and the out, just in case people are using their phones and get some stray photons. <laughs> <laughs> so is this, um, there's a story here in follow-up about Sugar Mobile. Is that still relevant, Mike? Because I know Nick didn't put that in there. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know I wasn't talking about mobile wireless <laughs> I, providers? I'm more interested in it about the uh, the bigger scale MVNO issue because competition in Canada as far as cell providers is uh, lacks. Lacking? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Leaves something to be desired to say the least. And this isn't, uh, this isn't good. good. Good news for the advancement of that industry. Did did we hear on that note that the CRTC official their official seeming stance on high bills for for people with the big three telecoms is to negotiate prices on by yourself? <laughs> I thought that was such a great, horrible, great answer. It's like you don't need competitive oversight. Yeah, just barter. Just negotiate. Just barter with them. <laughs> oh. I, so yeah, like you know, it's, the story itself isn't really that interesting on its own, but okay. it's it's more just yeah, the the CRTC you know, this story and the one you referred to, like it's not giving me a lot of hope for for the state of telecoms in Canada, mm-hmm. and I I guess like people always say, oh, why are rates so high, whatever, but it's like Canada's really big with a very spread out population, so I don't. Without looking into the actual numbers, like I can imagine that would be expensive to set up this infrastructure and like the big three or four or however many have done the legwork in that. Mm-hmm. So I can understand why they don't want to be forced to, you know, just hand out the use of that infrastructure. It was like, well, they didn't set up in the first place. Mm. But on the other hand, and again, I haven't looked at the actual numbers, but I guess all these companies, they got like subsidies from the government yep. to set up this infrastructure. So... Like, it's a lot of he said, she said at this point, and I don't really know where the real story is, but, like, I don't know. It's, you'd like to see more competition, or at least just more, like, these companies have offered low prices before, or they have been lower, and they just kind of creep up, or the data allowance gets lower and lower, or whatever, and, yeah, obviously they're trying to make their money back, and and whatnot like some of these companies may still be trying to pay off their infrastructure i I don't know but i guess you'd have to see the numbers to be able to have a conversation about what type of rates are reasonable because Mm -hmm. if they are still trying to pay off this infrastructure then sure i'm I'm understanding of why they need the prices where they are but if it's just taking advantage of us 
and saying, well, they've been willing to pay this in the past, so we'll just continue paying it until told otherwise. And yeah, something needs to be done about it for sure. Yeah. Nick, what's this video you posted? I'll just, it pertains to something Mike said. Yeah, I clicked on it. What? So <laughs> what about it? <laughs> Canada's really big. It's so big they made a song about it. And that being um, related to just how hard it is to cover with cell service for not a ton of money? Sure. Okay. Now, do you think that's a good enough reason to take that stance as one of the big three providers? Just wave your hands and say, Canada's big. Are you asking me to defend the telecoms? Well, no, it seems like that's what you're trying. You're like excusing what they're no, doing. No, it's is. just Mike said Canada's really big. And I said, oh, okay. I thought, you know, it is. There's a song about that. I should post <laughs> it in the notes. Okay. It's at least the second biggest country in the world. At least. Uh, so, And if Russia, if Russia keeps on shrinking, then soon we'll be first. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> on that note i did want to mention um this thing i posted in here it's it, it's not really follow-up and it has nothing to do with canada but i thought it was an interesting there's one interesting line here um there's an article that i read on mashable about people like really just people on reddit being the most hyper aware of any people on the internet it seems like um so it turns out like Different uh, cellular providers have different varieties of unlimited plan that are and are not and usually are not unlimited in reality. And they will often start throttling your internet speeds at different thresholds. And one of the ones um, they were specifically talking about Sprint, I think it was. And how Sprint used to be at 20, it used to start throttling you at 28 gigabytes and that limit jumped up to 30 gigabytes and which seems like a like it would take a really niche audience of people to actually notice that that slight two gig variation but it turns out it was kind of quietly changed in their in their um i guess marketing and their footnotes and all that but the th- the the line here that really jumped out at me and made me think and so i wanted to get your opinion because i totally agree um, on this possibly being a good way to get around throttling and unlimited data plans is that you would have a plan where you get, say, two gigabytes, say, five gigabytes, say, 10 gigabytes. So you, you can still have data tiers if you want that get throttled after a certain threshold. But the line here, and I'll have to... Um, so on Sprint, they say that once you hit the, your data threshold, you're throttled, but only during peak times like when not necessarily peak times as in like from five to seven you'll be throttled but peak times as in when there are a lot of internet users when the network itself is constrained your speeds would be throttled accordingly if you are one of those people that has exceeded their cap for that month Hmm. and if i could pay for unlimited unlimited in quotes data and have that be the stipulation as opposed to saying when you once you hit 10 gigs you for the rest of that month you'll, you'll be throttled I would much rather say I'm okay with being throttled as if I get slower speeds, not in I wouldn't say like three G or, or two G speeds, but I would be okay with being throttled during times of congestion. If it meant that I got unlimited data every other, like all the time. And it almost seems like it would be better if you had, cause that almost, almost offers you an, an incentive 
to use data during those peak times, it almost seems like you'd actually it would actually be better if you implemented a peak usage cap. Because if you do all your downloading on cellular in the middle of the night, you're never ever going to be affected by this by the constrained network. You're never going to get the benefits of having fast speeds through a constrained network. And you can use all your 10 gigs in the middle of the night. But if you use, say you use 500 megabytes during peak time and your limit is 500 megabytes, suddenly you hit that and there's just nothing, like you're going to be throttled for the rest of the month. It seems like if you had, let, let's say, while the network is constrained, you're trying to use data, that data counts towards a certain cap. This this becomes quickly, like I'm not probably not explaining this very well, but it's, it seems like you shouldn't necessarily be punished for using data outside the constrained times. Your data should only count towards the cap if you're using it within the constrained times. And that, at that point, you could set lower caps. If you wanted, like things could adjust, but it seems like that's a much better system in order to make it kind of egalitarian, as egalitarian as it can be, and as it, I guess, kind of should be, because you shouldn't be punished. You shouldn't hit your cap because you're using a bunch of data during unconstrained times when everyone else is using their data on average during the more constrained times, because otherwise mm-hmm. that averages wouldn't make sense. I don't know. Right. What, do you, what do you guys think about the, the concept of using data during constrained times and losing that unlimited at that point? It's. I think that's a much fairer way of doing it than before. Mm-hmm. It's it's similar to how you'll have like metered. It's it called metered electricity rates. Yeah, um, um, can't remember the term for it. Or even peak just like use, like yeah, yeah, variable well, rate. Variable, yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's Ontario. Kind of yeah, or you have like toll roads where mm-hmm. you just if you want to use that road like the fast lane, you have to go on the toll, otherwise you. Right. You don't have to pay it, right? So it's like you, uh, I guess, just market powers, you discourage use during that time, but those who want to, who are willing to pay it or need to use it in that time would be paying. And mm-hmm. like you said, would count towards allowance, but otherwise it doesn't. So it discourages those who, like you said, are able to do any downloading or whatnot overnight mm-hmm. to do so. Um, but I guess in your model, you'd have otherwise unlimited use and then your cap. Yeah. So your two gigabyte, your two gigabyte per month cap would only apply during peak hours. Otherwise it's unlimited, right? It would be like, well, like tech savvy offers from 2am to 8am. I think it is. You can have unlimited transfers that don't count towards your limit. This would be like that, except instead of that being the exception, that would be the norm. Right. The norm would be the wouldn't count. And I, I really like your analogy of comparing it to toll roads didn't really occur to me, but cities like Washington, D.C. actually have tolls based on time of day. And that like it would be a lot harder to charge, like conceptually it would be harder to charge people for for data towards their cap in that kind of way. But it would be like saying, Oh, you! If you pay fifty dollars a month, you can come in and out of Washington D.C. whenever you want. But and so, if you're only ever doing it in the middle of the night, you're not actually contributing to any kind of congestion. But if you're always doing it during peak times, obviously you're you're contributing to congestion. And so, it's it's much easier to charge people on that basis when you're talking about toll roads. But it seems like that same system would apply really well to that. That's the kind of system I'm describing, and that you only get charged if you're contributing to the congestion yeah. during peak times not otherwise right with phones like you do with those toll roads right again assuming that there's a real effect of increased user during those times exactly technically like well, we're not in the business so we don't know like yeah no yeah 
I think what's done in Washington, they don't actually, it's not based on times. It's based on the number of cars that are actually in the core. And they, I don't know if they keep exact like down to the car track, but they, they have a general idea of how many thousands or hundreds of thousands yeah. of cars are, are in there at any given time. Yeah. Well, it'd be pretty straightforward with like pressure sensors in the road to well, see. It'd be straightforward to count them coming in and out as long as you have a good idea of how many are actually in the core at when you started counting. <laughs> Right. Like right. if you know that there were zero cars at any given point, or if you know that there are 10,000 cars right. at this snapshot in time, you can keep track of the difference now. Right. But if your original estimate was off, then you're going to be off by that much yeah. all the time. But you also don't really care because it doesn't matter that much. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like the average, like the overnight average is going to be that daily. Yeah. Like, like the people who live there are going to stay there kind of thing. Right. Save plus or minus a couple thousand, maybe. Yeah. You actually could say, um, you could have a system and it would require the carriers and the companies, the mobile companies to get on board, but you could have a system where it would actually notify you that the network is becoming mm-hmm. congested and say data use for now will count. It would almost be like surge pricing. Right. Um, data now will contribute towards your cap. And then it would it would say like, let me know in a minute or let me know when this rate expires. And at that point, you, would, you could wait or you could download. And like if you needed to use Google Maps or whatever, because you were trying to get somewhere, you would use it, but you'd you'd go into your one or two gigabyte cap at that point. Yeah. I think that's a very interesting idea with a lot of analogies that are being used successfully in the world. <laughs> Aside from Uber's not great behavior otherwise, I think surge pricing is a fair way of doing things. And I know I've taken like even three times surge pricing just because I was like, I really want to get home. This is worth right. it to me. So speaking of Uber... Mike, you you wanted to you wanted to talk about the I don't think necessarily get into all the controversy they've gotten into lately, but no. the most interesting one to that's relevant to our show. Um obviously they're not it seems like they're not a great company overall, but what what uh have they been doing that's relevant to us this week? Uh well as as listeners of the show will already know, Uber mm-hmm. has quite a history of legal gray area, so to speak. <laughs> And uh, they're continuing the grayness with their latest method of dodging the authorities, which is something they've been doing for a while. Just to be clear, yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember off, off the top of my head how long it's been been going on for. I think it's been a few years at least. Okay, like it's been a while. Yeah, so they they came up with a system of screening their users for being potential authorities or or people involved yeah. in the prosecution of uber drivers for illegally mm-hmm. operating because that's kind of been their mo is setting up shop in these places that may or may not actually permit them or be happy with them being there but they'll just continue operating even when explicitly told you are not welcome here or you are mm-hmm. not allowed to operate here as per our bylaws but they'll say oh well just try to stop us or oh then fine us right Mm-hmm. And they'll just continue to operate and pay their drivers fees, uh, like their fines and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. Um, I guess the idea being that it's still, I don't know, it's like an advertising expense or however yeah. they want to budget it. That they, they feel it's worth continuing to operate in these places that that don't really allow them. And a lot of places have since started allowing them in some way, like in some form. Yeah. Uh, but there are a lot of places that that still don't allow uh, Uber and similar companies like third party or yeah fourth party just non taxi non taxi like non approved uh, livery services. 
and uh they uh they have built a system that kind of tracks the behaviors of their users either login behavior or using location data all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff to profile them as either legitimate customers and even okay so either legitimate customers or people trying to trap them like sting operation style or even legitimate customers but are still involved in legal enforcement or bylaw services or whatever so you know the the article kind of goes into a bit more detail of who specifically they're targeting with this this kind of screening process but the whole idea is that they're using private privileged data from the app to screen these users and in some cases even like shadow banning them or what they Mm -hmm. they call gray balling which is the person orders an uber ride and then instead of actually sending a driver over they'll just ignore it but then on their app like this end users app show cars in the user interface and then show a car kind of like coming to them but maybe not actually coming I, I don't know the specifics of how, you know, the actual experience yeah. ends, but they're, they're, for for all the user can tell, the app is behaving normally. But mm-hmm. on Uber's end, they're ignoring it because they've either in the past been flagged as someone who had stung them and like ordered yeah. an Uber and then find the driver for operating, or they're considered to be a highly likely uh, person trying to set up a sting or just... Mm-hmm fine uber so like yeah. uber in the past has paid for the fines of their drivers but they're obviously trying to minimize that cost yeah. still yeah so and the question now is you know obviously it's gray at best as far as if it's mm-hmm. you know a, something that should they be, should be doing but right it's also just like a privacy thing as well because they're using this data in this way which again is ethically gray so i'm, I'm interested to hear what you guys think because i think we've all had uh, experience with Uber in one form or another, either taking it or just knowing of people who have used it or seen the mm-hmm. benefits of it. So like I'm all for technological advancement, but you still have to work with law enforcement and allow the law to catch up. So I like using the app and the data this way is not great. I don't think. Yep. Um, I feel like, you have to on the note of kind of letting the law catch up i feel like the status quo the inertia of the status quo is really hard to overcome and so the only way to really get stuff done on any kind of reasonable time scale is to kind of push the envelope a little bit but unfortunately the company that has seemingly led that charge has been absolutely atrocious in other more important arguably ways and so it's hard to say it, it's hard for the to cheer for them as like the little guy compared to the government when they're doing committing these horrible things seemingly not if not company wide then at least there's a general policy as opposed to being the exception um specifically when it comes to sexism when it comes to even things like charges of racism um and just treatment of it, their drivers too exactly like, well, tre- payment of all their yeah. drivers in general yeah. yeah right also being not great and a lot of people will still do it like it is still better than their alternative options and that kind of is the worst part of it because they can't really get away like obviously if if you have multiple um, driving services like this you'll have a lot of uber drivers that are also lyft drivers or also do some kind of other service and they'll just take whatever customer comes through whatever service they can and um 
a lot of like food delivery apps have the same thing where a, a company or a restaurant now has, if you go to visit the actual restaurant, it has like stickers all over its storefront, like order through this or this or this or this. And you have to keep track of all these things, but it probably, it's probably them ta- being kind of taken advantage of by all these middleman apps. And yeah, it, it feels like everyone is kind of being taken advantage of, but I do still think this is kind of the future. There, there's a reason that taxi licensing services were put in place by governments. And it's because getting into a stranger's car, not knowing who they are at first, leads to a lot of possibly dangerous and bad things happening to you. And so you do want somebody to have vetted that the company that you're driving, that you're going to be getting picked up by, has is not going to just take you and you'll never see your family again like that that's something that that's what they're trying to avoid by having these regulations mm-hmm. but there does see it seems like there needs to be middle ground or you're just going to keep getting these services popping up trying to offer something better than taxis uh, it's such a hard gray area but it could be improved and that's that's kind of the thing and there's been a there's been a movement to delete uber from your phone or stop using it and I'm not sure that that, it, that in itself is the right answer because it seems like to improve the situation, you can't just delete it. You have to get them to improve. You can't just like don't overthrow the government because you think it might be corrupt. You have to hold them accountable, hold Uber accountable. And don't necessarily just delete them and forget because then bad people are still or not bad people because I don't think people who use Uber are bad people, but not holding them accountable doesn't help anything. It just means that anybody who's ignorant to what they've done is going to keep using it. And that's going to be a big majority of people, I think. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I think it's a bigger issue. Like the safety thing, like in other countries, like, you know, India's mm, had yeah. like a ton of issues for drivers, uh, you know, doing really bad things to passengers. Mm. Um, and so I can, I can understand why just, on a kind of company scale, you'd want there to be more processes. Like you can't really say, okay, well in North America, you don't have to screen them, but in India you should like, it should be the same for all of them. And yeah, like taxi Mm. services, like, I don't know, you know, when we've traveled, just, you can't consider just any taxi safe either because tourists are targeted in a lot of countries as well, even if they're legitimate taxi drivers. So Mm. it's not that taxis have a great track record either, but at least North America wise, you can trust taxis. Well, the, you can trust them to not take you in the middle of the night, but they may try to scam. Like they will often try to scam tourists by taking them a longer route or right. taking them, yeah, like just trying to get more money out of them. They're right. not trying to necessarily commit a like it's not a felony to right. drive a taxi longer. But if you don't know the area, then you're going to probably spend more than you need to to get right. from one place to another by taxi. Yeah, there's been. We also literally had a conversation last night where our friend was talking about how she was very inappropriately propositioned in a taxi and like the driver wouldn't let her out at her stop yeah yeah so it's not like this isn't i don't think this is an uber problem this is a society problem that uber being part of society is also subject to yeah so yeah there it's a very complicated situation and anybody who thinks that it isn't and like deleting uber is going to fix everything is probably misguided but i think that if you're going to use Uber, you need to, or you don't need to, but you, one of the things you can do is try to hold them accountable. Either talk to government and don't don't necessarily say, I think Uber should be shut down because they're sexist. While they may be sexist, I don't think shutting it down is the right idea. Have 
make them accountable for the things that they're doing that are discriminatory. Yeah. Or in like, if you have the same problem, like you get the same problem as Nick described with this, this taxi last night, this taxi story, um, you end up with the same stories from Uber drivers or from Uber passengers, I guess. And that, I don't even think that can necessarily a hundred percent be avoided because there are some people that are going to take advantage of situations, but we have to try to improve that. We can't just give up. We can't just give up on those people and cause they're still going to be there. They're, those people are still going to exist whether we use the app or not. And they're still going to do whatever they're going to do. We should try to make slowly but surely improve society as opposed to pretending those people don't exist. It's interesting because, you know, with all these issues that Uber's had, people are still willing to use them mm -hmm. because the taxi service environment is that bad right. for a it lot of people. It's not, yeah. So hopefully this just encourages the taxi services to get better and to implement similar things that uber mm -hmm. does do right like their app experience yeah um reliability being able to see where your driver is you know in an yeah. updating sense i mean not live yeah. like targeting where your driver is kind of thing because that's like mm -hmm. I, I don't even know if that is the case how the uber app works but at least you know when yeah. your driver's coming um yeah so like and i have seen on some taxis in calgary have like they have apps now that you can work with and, yep. you know, kind of get updates on when, where your taxi is and all this kind of stuff. So like there is change happening, which is good to see. So if that, if yep. that, if that's what comes of this and Uber dies in a fire, then that's fine. Like, but at least right, exactly. the industry gets better because of this, right? Yeah. Their Uber is still fully funded by venture capital and losing money. Like it's not a profitable <laughs> industry yet. Yeah. Whereas taxis, I think, mostly are for the small number of people that actually get um, taxi licenses. Uber scale means that it's growing quickly, like a lot more people are using Ubers and the, I'm sure their executives are making a lot of money, but their drivers, while they are making money, they are not usually making living wages. And the company as a whole net isn't profitable. It's not making money. It's just getting more and more venture capital money. Yeah, like taxis from my from what I've heard of drivers and and people close to the or being familiar with how it works. Like it's not profitable for drivers if you're working mm -hmm. like regular hours. Like you have to work 12 or 14 hour days mm -hmm. to actually make money off of it because they make the the drivers pay so much of their own money up front like for the vehicle, yeah. for licensing, all this kind of stuff and the taxi company just sits back and collects their fees yeah. and gives a portion of that back to the driver and it's like mm -hmm. And I think that's that's part of and Uber's apparently no better at as far as compensating their drivers. Like maybe marginally better, but they're not head and shoulders better. I think it's it might be better over the short term. Like you'd have to work as a taxi driver a lot longer yeah. to make up the difference, but yeah, it's not not great, not ideal. Yeah. So before we wrap up, Nick, I wanna hear uh about the story you have here because I always feel like we end up more tech heavy than science heavy. So what have you brought to us from The Economist? Oh, man. Uh, something that could be equally as re revolutionary as solar roof tiles. Okay. Yeah. Uh, these researchers out of... Colorado? Yes. University of Colorado Boulder. They've developed this... It's plastic-based-ish sort of, kind of. 
but almost a plastic film that you can apply to a roof and it it's really neat it involves some sort of beads i think it's glass beads and based on the size of those beads in the film you can control to a certain extent what wavelength they radiate at or what wavelength of photons they radiate and so they designed them to radiate ir and i think this is the coolest thing so if you put it on your roof and it's pointed towards the sky the ir carries heat away from your home into the cold vacuum of space and that becomes the cold sink for your house so you can passively cool the house huh they said that it's enough to make a 37 degree day turn into a 20 degree house or you can feel 20 degrees in your house on a 37 degree day it's almost like a one-way mirror but with tuned to heat it's I don't know exactly how it works, but it radiates the heat energy as IR being put into the sky. And that's carrying enough heat away from the house mm. to cool it. Yeah, that's... And, and the, the the big breakthrough here is that it's super cheap to manufacture. Well, that yeah, that is a huge breakthrough. It yeah. ends up being, what, 50 cents per square foot or something like that? Right. Okay. But it's just incredible. Like... When you consider, especially in Ontario where it gets really hot, hazy, and humid, mm-hmm. the rolling brownouts that can happen when every, when it's really hot and industry is using a lot of electricity and people are also using air conditioning at the same time, if you could cut down on the amount of air conditioning that people are using or the amount of energy that people are using to cool their homes, it could save so much energy grid-wide. This is such a weirdly written article. Why so, do they keep talking about space so much? It seems like... <laughs> because that's the cold sink, and that's also just mind-blowing for me. Like, because you have to have a cold sink to transfer the heat to, right? Yeah. Yeah, so that you point it at space. Yeah. And space takes the heat. So, I, th- I think one uh, of the keys here... Yeah. So, it, we, you, Rob, you mentioned the, the one-way mirror thing. It looks like that's kind mm-hmm. of the primary principle principle element here so the reflective side is outside so that it reflects any heat back the other side isn't reflective but the beads act as like a filter because glass is a good insulator for infrared apparently yes from from what i understand so they they make the beads a certain size so that any frequencies or wavelengths i guess both the same Mm. in this either one context um of bigger that won't fit through the beads doesn't make it through but anything smaller will so that's where the heat can escape is by passing through these beads right and that's that's where that's how the infrared from inside the house gets out is through this film and then passes through the beads whereas anything trying to get in just gets reflected back by the by the film yeah the um the only problem i see with this issue with this unless it's combined with another with other kind of principles is that the cold sink of space only works if if the atmosphere itself doesn't become reflective from ir or at least absorptive of ir and um the greenhouse effect is going to continue to mean that is not the case 
in an increasing amount. So I think that's why I'm kind of, it's kind of weird to hear them talk about space being a cold sink and talking about sending infrared back out because CO2 is really good at absorbing IR and can theoretically I mean, just send it. not near totality back. though. No, not in totality. Of course it's, it's the same, <clears throat> it's the same theory, but for a different wavelength yeah. as painting your roof white. Rob, I think in that you'll send high, higher energy light back to space. Rob, I think they're talking about space because they're kind of like using that as an analogy with what the film does. So the same way that our atmosphere allows certain wavelengths of heat carrying infrared to escape, the same way these beads are this right size to allow infrared to escape. I think that's if that were true. To read the last line of the article, it's very it's it's a weird it's weirdly written. I don't think it's necessarily directly untrue. It's just such a weird way to phrase it. Talking about the the temperature difference between earth and outer space being 290 yeah. degrees i think that's more like uh just if you're talking over... about engine efficiency that's all that matters i think that's just but dramatizing the article a little bit yeah is that actually because this isn't really like it's passive it's passive cooling of yeah it's houses. absolutely passive because they're not sending the infrared heat to space they're sending it in the direction of space i and there's stuff in the way that does absorb carbon di- or not carbon dioxide. There's stuff like carbon that absorbs dioxide IR, that yes, absorb but it's IR. not like it's right. still not near totality. No, it's not, and that's why I think the example of just having some like I think albedo is the scientific word for how much some a material reflects light, and so the albedo effect is like I mean it's the reason that winters get so cold. Partially like there's less sunlight, but also you get that white coating of snow, which reflects all the light back. Yeah. gets colder and colder. Right. So I I think this is a great idea. It just, that struck me as odd. So I'm curious to see how this, because it seems like if it is actually that cheap to manufacture that, um, new houses can, it could be revolutionary, especially in places that are like the Southern States where Mm -hmm. everyone needs air conditioning all the time. It's just, I, I'm just, I'm speechless yeah. and I'm so excited. So it's incredible. Just incredible. It, it qualifies this by saying that to implement this for it to be actually like a noticeable effect, you need like heat exchange type system with water pipes. In, in bigger buildings, it, it mentions. It just says any practical the- system involving the film. I don't know if it's saying of a certain size or, or whatnot, because like if you have, like it's not relying on convection, right? The same way that it's just replying on radiation. Yeah, so you need to you, you need to help you actually, out the distribution of the heat to get it to actually get through this film. Mm-hmm. So it, well, I mean, because if it's a standard North American construction, you're going to have a warm house. You're going to crawl up into the attic and go, "Whew, it's freezing in here." <laughs> <laughs> right. So it, like so yeah. If you're going to like even with a, even with a heat exchange fluid system going on it's going to be so much less energy intensive than yeah. conventional air conditioning yeah well and where i was going with this was you nick you're talking about the southern states like in canada you there's times where you want your house to get as much heat as it can from mm-hmm. the atmosphere so in those cases you could just turn the pumps turn off. off the pipes yeah. yeah yeah so yeah that was that was something i thought about it's like man if you didn't have a method of control winter would suck <laughs> yeah but yeah. like I can't well I can't believe this 
story isn't making more waves just because it's like the implications are so huge. Yeah, I'm sure it will. It because like it's in the Economist, so that's that's it right there. Yeah, <laughs> huge, huge circulation. It's like the epitome of science journalism, right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, in that case, um, I think it's safe to say we can wrap it up for the week. Anyone have anything to add? Wrap it up in in this bubble wrap, polymer wrap with glass beads. <laughs> All right. In that so case, sorry. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Future Chat. You can head to unwindmedia.com slash future dash chat for more episodes. Mike, are you laughing at my URL? Uh, it's the worst URL because I, I try to go to our own site and I'm like, why isn't this working? Why am I getting a 404? I, I'm working on trying to figure out domain mapping. So you may be able to head to unwindmedia.com slash future chat oh, at some point in the future, but we're not there yet. I, the technology is too advanced. <laughs> I don't understand. Real-time update, it's 50 cents a square meter, not a square foot. Ooh, even better. Holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like nine times cheaper. <laughs> yes. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs> I uh, I don't have time for an after show, but if you guys want to talk about anything, you can. My only real after show notes are that I sat for our entire time at the bar last night. Uh, we were within range of a Pokestop. <laughs> I was down like a hundred items and I still only got like five potions. Yeah. <clears throat> potions are hard I to come by. Rough. Yeah. There's, and there's a level eight mystic gym. Like I'm just, I'm going to have to dip into the war chest of all the max potions and max revives I have just to take this thing down because I hate looking at it so much. <laughs> well, we have all three Cranston gyms or at least all three ones that matter. All right. I'm going to go. Okay. Bye Rob. <laughs> Bye, Rob. Guys. All three ones that matter for all of this week were level 10 instinct. Yeah. And I was in all of them. And then this morning I woke up to cash out my gyms and one had been taken down and one was taken down to level seven. So I don't know. I'll have to, I think I'll have to level the one back up. I'm, I'm assuming I didn't get shaved out of the other one because that one was the one with my like 2650 egg in it. So it's kind of like third-ish oh, yeah. spot. But what what does that one know? Uh, confusion seed bomb. Okay, because so I my confusion seed bomb, I still I'm not getting any executor or execute yeah. candies, so it's still sitting. I just hatched one, so nice. it's at around 1900 now. But I'm I'm absolutely loving the confusion solar beam one for for attacking. Oh, nice. Just because confusion is so hard hitting now, yeah. and confusion and solar beam and being used with as a stab move yeah. by executor. My God. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like Machamp is showing up in gyms now mm. and the psychic psychic attacks just rip through it. And then solar beam is just so overpowered. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. Like it's just, it's really hard hitting regardless. Yeah. I've even, oh I've even used solar beam against like non type advantage matchups. Mm-hmm. like parasect against whoever and i'll just so i'll like i'll be prestiging and then i'll have a solar beam saved up for the next one and then i'll just mm-hmm. use it regardless and then it still takes out a really good chunk even without the yeah. the type advantage but are you doing the same thing i'm doing where i'm not like i, I don't have any projects right now because i'm waiting for the gym overhaul i do have projects um, I, well, I think my only real projects right now are 
blissy mm. Umbreon because I just I got Umbreon's in my head and actually looking up the the game press rankings of moveset I think they just basically didn't bother choosing a best moveset because Snarl and Faint Attack are so close Foul Play and the other one Dark Pulse are so close it just doesn't matter yeah I've stopped using game press rankings like i'll use them for like the numbers like dps numbers just to compare but as far yeah. as their rankings it's like you can't go off of rankings because it's so dependent on play style and matchup yeah right? yeah like i mean i'm still i'm a little upset that pedal blizzard became a single bar move like it it's dps now right. is unreal which is nice but it's still just i same with psychic i would rather have I would rather have Solar Beam as a one bar move just because it's so punishing. Right. And I I don't know. It it's fine. I think Psychic worked better as a two bar move, I feel. Like yeah. I'd rather yeah. kind of have two chances to get it off instead of having to save it up. Like Confusion Psychic isn't as bad because you still can hit hard with confusion while you're charging up your psychic, but mm-hmm. it's uh it feels like it could be better. Like a two bar fifty five move type thing. Hmm. I am glad that there's a lot of, like there's nothing I don't think there's anything below a three bar move now. Uh, I think that's correct. Three or four bars. I feel like yeah. it's three. And I, I like that a lot. I think that's great. Yeah. I actually I also really like what they did with body slam in mm-hmm. that the the damage per energy spent is more on par with hyper beam now. Mm-hmm. And so sorry, there's a bug and I went to get it <laughs> and then I hit the mic. <laughs> Body slam Sorry, is Rob. like crazy now. Like if you're facing a body slam Snorlax, it can get off three body slams in a row. Yeah, because I, it it saves it up from the HP that it's losing, and then from mm-hmm. its energy, its own energy gain. And I think yeah, and and uh, defenders, if I remember correctly, they have double the amount of bars for their charge moves. Do they? I think it does. They have double the HP, and they also have double the amount of bars because it, That's because they're generating energy from the damage taken. So, do you mean like they actually have double yeah. bars or well, like they just visibly, generate at double the rate? No, like double the bars. So they, they can charge, oh, they can wow. save up twice as many charge moves before having to release it off. God, Body Slam in theory could hit six times in a row if that's true. If you can damage them fast enough, yeah. But that's, that, that's how. That would be crazy. Yeah, like that's how it can get off three in a row is because it saved up that many that just boom, boom, boom. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm huge fan. Great big fan. Yeah. I'm yeah. I also are uh, my two EVs that I was saving for the new evolutions were both I think EFF. Mm-hmm. So 14 15 15. The Espeon got Zen Headbutt Future Sight, which I was I would have rather confusion as a quick attack, but if it seems as though with the current meta it doesn't even matter because if you have Future Sight then it doesn't matter what the quick move is, you just charge up Future Sight and that's it. Yeah. Um and Umbreon, it just doesn't seem to matter what the move set is. It's equally good. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty happy. I'm I'm kind of I'm nervous but excited for a potential change in how gym rankings are done. Like the ones I've invested candy in, I think I'll win either way. Dragonite might be the only one that gets hurt because it's a horrible defender. Like CP wise, it's well, really Dragon- good. Dragonite and Gyarados. The only Gyarados too, yeah. is that you have to take. The only disadvantage there is that you have to take a Pokemon specifically to deal with it. Right. Because I don't usually have Ice, well, Lapras, Cloyster, 
dugong i don't have them in my regular rotation right. as attackers they only get brought in if there's one or more dragonites to deal with yeah like the thing i like sometimes Gollum can tear through it but yeah the thing i like about dragonite and gyarados at least is that you can still use them as really good attackers like they're not just gym trophies to yeah. some top of gyms like right on is probably also a decent attacker i just haven't used it so and i wouldn't feel right just investing in it just to sit in a gym Whereas Dragon Knight Gyarados, yeah, um, I think I would have invested in anyway. I evolved a really high level, uh, and it was in the really strong tier, so I don't want to power it up. But uh, a ride on and or a ride horn into a ride on, mm, yeah, like a high CP one. Yeah, and it well, it was high level too. Right. It's almost level thirty. Yeah, and it knows Mud Slap, Stone Edge, so it's just my default defender right. because it's high enough CP that it's still going to do a decent amount of damage but it's easy to prestige against also can we talk briefly about how terrible the edmonton gym etiquette is because <laughs> oh my god like people are just chucking in blissey first thing it's like do you want this gym to go anywhere yeah. really and then there are other people who just i think they just expect the gym to be taken down really quickly so they just throw like charmeleon right. or fanpy whatever they're just throwing in whatever and i'm like could you just like what if what if we wanted to build this gym up guys yeah what if my take on that is like also i'll still pretend that she just throws things in and can't even look at her right now. i'll still prestige against like an 800 charmeleon that's fine i've got i've got some kicking around that can work i'm just like i'm prestige i'm i would prestige against that in that I'm going for whatever the high level thing next to the Charmeleon is. So you just rip through the Charmeleon right. to get to whatever you're actually trying to prestige against. Maybe. Also, um, quick attack, eradicate. It's pretty good. What's your pretty camera sitting it. on? It keeps shaking. Uh, like A yoga mat. Hmm. Or my camera? It's a laptop. But your table's like Sorry, the, shaking like crazy. The table yeah. is actually pretty <laughs> unstable. <laughs> It's been doing that all show. So every time like, I uh, put my elbow up or down, <laughs> it's it's actually like the the hinge in this laptop has actually lasted pretty well because I know a lot of laptops they they get they used to get to the point where they just kind of like fall on their own. <laughs> this one's still pretty good, but it's it's having <laughs> this table and the laptop are yeah. yeah. I was reading yeah. a thread on Reddit about how like you have people who throw in like a 1200 Pidgeot and be like, Oh, I can't believe you put that in a gym. And whenever I see that, I'll check like the trainer level to be like, okay, that's probably like one of the highest CP ones they have. So I can understand why they'd put that in a gym. But it's like, when you see a level 25 or 30 player put in like a 1200 something in a gym, it's like, okay, the gym, what are you, what are you doing? Yeah. Do it's you like, want this to be a good gym. The gym environment no? because... isn't the same as it was when, you know, prestigiously only get, got you 500 max and attacking was super easy and you'd fall like, okay, mm-hmm. fine. Like, People are just throwing in whatever, but it's fine now. Like gyms go up fairly easily. The take it down fairly easily. It's fine. Like, but yeah, I still, this city's driving me a little bit nuts. It's like, yeah, no, no gym etiquette. It's nice. Cause Stop putting in a blissey when the gym is under level five. Yeah. I, as the lowest defender well it's funny like i am actually i'm sitting in a gym right now that's level 10 and it has three blissey at the bottom all like 2500 cp and then Mm -hmm. there's like two snorlax below me as well so i'm like behind three blissey and two snorlax 
So you're just so never... Just, that gym's going to be there forever, probably. Never getting no. out of that one. No. <laughs> that would be such a pain. It is. I I find if I'm taking down a Blissey, that's a similar situation to Dragonite where I need to take my now legacy Dragon Breath, Dragon Claw, Dragonite, or Gyarados. And sometimes I had a better ride on that learned Mud Slap and Earthquake, which... I like, and that does well against Blissey too. So I'm just trying to, the highest tier attackers that I can get tear down each Blissey. Right. Takes forever, unless you're fighting in a group. And sometimes when it's not too cold, Kaya will come with me. And it's amazing because everything comes down so much faster. My high CP Rhydon has Rock Smash Megahorn. So that's, that's something. Oh dear. <laughs> I've I've got one that has the mud slap earthquake as well, but it's lower CP and I haven't invested in mm. it. Yeah, that's that's fair. Um I don't know, I would like to see a more defensive centric gym ranking cuz I was skeptical when you first mentioned it, yeah. but I'm I'm quickly coming around more to the idea. Although I think it's going to be you're still going to see Blissey and Snorlax, but then it's going to be like Umbreon and Steelix. Shuckle is going to be in there. I think Executor would be better too. At least it will. It probably won't be changed that much because I think it's fairly yeah, balanced stats already. Yeah, it is. Same with like Lapras. Oh, like yeah, Lapras. That's another. That was such a pain to prestige against before yeah. the electric types got buffed yeah. too. Yeah, Jolteon. Oh man, Jolteon saved the day on that one, getting stronger. And I, the Thunderbolt being buffed, I really appreciated. Because my Jolteon knows Thundershock, Thunderbolt, mm. and that's been that's been great. Tingles McGee is just tearing up all the all the flying and Gyarados types. Right. Anyway. But yeah. Did do you have any projects right now, or is everything uh, just everything that you want to be maxed out, maxed out? I'm basically I was my next project was gonna be Gollum, I think. But Golem's a good one. Yeah. Kaya actually has a rock throw stone edge golem. Yeah, that's one I have. That she lead. Sorry? Oh, he is. Perfect CP or perfect IVs? Oh. Kaya's perfect IV golem knows rock throw stone edge and she frequently leaves it in gyms. Mm. That thing has a surprising number of battles won. Really? When my Snorlax with Zen Headbutt Body Slam and. 2959 CP. Yeah. Has no battles won. <laughs> and that golem does. I'm like, what? What am I doing wrong? But the battles one thing doesn't really mean anything, though. As I'm sure you know. Well, uh, pseudo random, it appears. But it's not even that, that those, but it's like. Those battles won. It's, it, It'd be cool if, uh, if you accrued battles won for Pokemon that your Pokemon has beat in gym battles. Oh, like regardless of if it was the last one that the trainer had. Yeah, right. Pokemon knocked right. out. No, and I think that it, that would actually be a meaningful stat. Yeah. But the, the way For it is now... For attacking and defending. The way it is now is like if you happen to be the, you know high enough in a gym that you're the last one to take down the last Pokemon, then you get that battles yeah. won. But it's like, well, no, it should be like Blissey. Most people, if at least if when you're proceeding against it, plan to use you know one and a half Pokemon to take it down, right? Yeah. So it's like in that case, the battles one would be huge. Like again, it, it maybe not counting your own team prestiging against it, but like something like that, where like yeah, if you get hit by a hyper beam and get taken out, and then follow up with another one to kill it, 
that defender should still get credit for taking down that one. Yeah, I think so. I think so too. And for attacking and defending would be super cool because I mean, then your favorite Pokemon would just stats would be unreal. I like Sprouts McGee specifically. My God, like every Vaporeon and Rhydon that he's taken down would would be insane. I always like, I think I forget frequently that Rhydon is double weak to grass. Like I always like look for my Vaporeon, but I'm like, my executor is available. I'm going to use him. Oh man. <laughs> like, and it, uh, grass is a hard counter to ground too. So like mud slap is his best right. defensive quick move. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. I was- do you, do you anticipate anything like status effects coming in? I think. And if so, what would you like to see? I think I'd see them coming in for like PVP stuff just to make it more interesting. Yeah, like I think I that. the way that the battle mechanics are in just the NPC battling, like you're not, I think the status effects would not work as well. Mm. Like the defenders have already a built in advantage with the double HP, double charge moves. So that's kind of already, so if you threw status effects in there, then you're kind of like throwing the balance again. But again, it would make, you know, say like Venomoth, if it got status effects, like you could already use it, like, or you yeah. could use it because I'd use Venomoth more against Psychic, but it's weak to Psychic. So I, I normally don't, don't use like my, like I have mm. bug move Venomoths that would be useful, but they're weak to Psychic as well. So if I'm going to prestige against an egg, then I'll probably pick like Scyther, not Venomoth. Yeah. I think what would be, I think... It would be interesting if you could emphasize the starters specifically. Like starter starters? Like starter starters. Like the actual well, not, starting Pokemon. Oh. Or oh no, you mean like I mean that would be my dream right. because I invested yeah. so much into it. But <laughs> like just Bulbasaur Charmander Squirtle. Yeah. Like if you could I mean Bulbasaur is a little trickier if it doesn't know a a poison move. But like if if Charizard came out and the weather became sunny, if Blastoise came out and it became rainy and Venusaur came out and leech seeded the opponent. <laughs> like, I think that would be really cool. Just visually, you mean? Uh, no. Well, are you familiar with the weather effects from the main series games? Oh, okay. So rainy day, I, I can't remember what the, what the actual stats are on it, but rain boosts water type attacks and suppresses fire attacks sunny sunny day increases fire and grass types also on a sunny day when uh, like synthesis returns more hp and solar beam doesn't take uh a charging turn it just hits right away oh wow yeah so it oh yeah i forgot about charging turns yeah sunny day is is a uh man words today sunny day is a fire type move and rain dance is a water type move, but you can also have like, I think nine tails later on has like a drought ability or something like that. So as soon as nine tails comes out, it causes a sunny day. And so apparently it goes along well with Venusaur. Also nine tails can learn solar beam. So that's partially why. Yeah. I think the sad effects could help out like the less relevant lower CP Pokemon if you could use a status yeah. effects to get a better edge in battles like yeah i also 
like it would be cool if I don't I don't think it would make as much sense as rain and sunny conditions but it would also be really cool if you could bring back like every electric attack maybe instead of total paralysis maybe the gym defender just you see a little animation for electricity and he misses an attack or he doesn't attack when he could yeah like a couple quick attacks like you're disabled for a bit and you can't yeah yeah or just or just one or and will-o'-wisp like a burn like just the attack hits a little less hard and it loses a little more hp one confusion you'd lose like 10 percent of the hp you're dealing type thing yeah right that kind of thing so like you're just quick attacking but then you're also losing hp while you're doing that because you're confused type thing Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i'd still also just love to see a leech seed could 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 you imagine battling a blissey (laughs) while it's leech seeded it would be crazy how does it has so much how does that work though the drain with leech seed just however much hp per uh, turn originally in the original series it was it started with a 16th of the hp lost but it could also be coupled with toxic in the first generation so i think that balances a little more once they uncoupled it from a tox from toxic it was an eighth mm. of the hp so like just because blissey and snorlax have so much hp base if you leech seeded them it's just it was incredible like every turn you got so much hp back like auto auto heal heal yourself while you're attacking at this massive thing leech seed would also be a good way to specialize against the tanks Mm -hmm. like chancy blissey snorlax but yeah Mm. i just want leech seed so badly (laughs) i still i don't know i still think like the starters at some point have to pay off it would be so nice I, d- I don't know how they would do it but it would be so great even just like like i just want some sort of validation for it <laughs> yeah <laughs> well because that's and that's one of the things that i thought was great about the main series yeah. like you started and then it came with you the whole yeah. way like like an idiot Let's child I was, I used Blastoise in every against. battle, regardless of who I was yeah. up against. I used it against electric types, and I wondered why I died so easily, because I was an <laughs> idiot. I was like 10. Yeah, I was a foolish child, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, totally. It's like Blastoise is my best Stats, Pokemon. Stats, what are those even? <laughs> I just want super effective attacks. But I, I didn't even know what, like, I, the super effective, like, I'd use, you know, attacks against Gengar when I was in that stupid haunted house region yeah and it's like oh your, your attack had no effect i'm like why i don't understand this and i just keep doing it. it's like oh it missed oh it didn't have effects like what do you mean i and then i just lose against gengar all the time i had mm. no idea why it's tough tough road to hoe <laughs> yeah pretty excited i my imagination is just running wild with all the possibilities yeah it's good times you, you don't want to overhype yourself because it's gonna be disappointing after uh, that's okay when it's like i don't know it'll come out and i'll be i'll still be just crazy happy yeah i just hope they don't make gyms level based because i i know with level 30 pidgeys are going to be sitting in gyms yeah i i don't know what to do with gyms honestly it, it gets pretty repetitive but yeah we shall see 
We shall.